Hillside. I'm Stephen Weissong, and it is so good to be with you. You know, at the end of 2020, I turned one year older. And every year that I turn older, I realize that I have less control of the things that I wish I had control of. <laughs> you feel me on that? I, I don't know. Uh, but what I'm realizing in my life as I turn a year older is that I actually have control over how I respond to the things happening around me. You and I, we can set the atmosphere with how we respond. We can unleash a storm that's chaotic. We could also be a refreshing breeze that's peaceful. It's you and I, we, we get to choose how we want to respond. And as I've been thinking about it, I, I think one of our motivations in our response to uh, trying to be a refreshing breeze, trying to set the atmosphere in a peaceful way, is through this idea of forgiveness. I've really been thinking about forgiveness a lot. Forgiveness is one of the core tenets of the gospel. Forgiveness is part of who Jesus was and is and continues to be forgiveness is huge. And I think one of the things that the Bible tries to communicate to us is that in forgiveness, there is freedom. Here's what I mean. When I was going into high school, I had a friend named Chaz. Chaz had red hair, buck teeth, and freckles. And he was my best friend. Uh, one summer, Chaz and I decided to go to a summer camp together, and we went into camp kind of expecting maybe what young guys expect. We wanted to meet some cute girls, okay? Uh, there, I said it. Jesus, where were you in part? I don't know, okay. <laughs> but we went to camp together and we got to camp and second day we're out by the lake and this cute girl came up to us. She had jet black hair and she asked us if we would be willing to help her, her and her friend get their canoes into the lake. So Chaz and I looked at each other like, duh. So we went over and we helped them. We had to hold their hands and help them get into their canoes. And then we pushed them off and we were just going, whoa, that was so awesome. Later that day, we were in the snack shack and those two girls walked in. And so we all got milkshakes together. We got into a booth and we're starting to talk to them and get to know them. And we found out that they were from Russia. They were visiting the United States and they got to go to camp. And the girl with the jet black hair, her name was Larissa. And then her friend had blonde hair. Her name was Olga. And after we got done with the milkshakes and hanging out, they ended up leaving. And Chaz and I talked and I said, that Larissa, she's something else. And Chaz said, whew, that Olga, she is ridiculously good looking. Well, throughout the rest of the week, we ended up hanging out with them. We would make excuses to make sure we sat next to them during the session. We had watched the stars under the campfire at night. We would go swimming and we would just hang out. And at the very last session, as we were getting ready to pack up and leave, Larissa found me afterwards and she gave me a hug and she said, Meet me at the bench overlooking the field at 11.45, like right before we all had to get going. 
And I was going, okay, I will. And so I walked back to the cabin with Chaz and I told him everything that Larissa had told me. And it's, you're going, oh, I really wish we didn't have to leave. And, but I get to meet Larissa. And so I went and I packed and uh, brushed my teeth. And then I went out to go meet Larissa. And as I'm walking up to the bench that's overlooking the field, I see Larissa sitting on the bench. But then I also see Chaz sitting on the bench. And then I see Chaz leaning over and kissing Larissa. I was stunned. And then, of course, I did the manliest thing possible. I cried and ran away. <laughs> I didn't talk to Chaz until we got on the bus. And I only talked to him because he sat down next to me. When he sat down, I looked at him and I said, I know what you did. I saw you. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I said, I saw you kiss Larissa. And Chaz was shocked. And he looked up at the ceiling of the bus and he hit the seat and he goes, what's wrong with me? I mess everything up. And I looked at Chaz and I said, I know what's wrong with you. You're an idiot. <laughs> but in that moment, I had a choice. Chaz stabbed me in the back. He kissed the girl I liked. I felt like I was so out of control, but I had a choice. I could stay mad or I could forgive. I could hold on to the sour feeling that I had or I could give that to God and be free. I had a choice. And so on the bus, I looked at Chaz and I made my choice. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, writes this, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Have you ever wondered what the outfit of the day for a Christian would look like? Like, have you ever wondered how you should be dressed in the world? Well, this verse is it. Listen to this. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you are dressed in these qualities, you are going to look so fashionable to the rest of the world. I was in my seminary class recently and our professor asked us to go and find something. It was on Zoom and so our professor asked, to, asked us to go find something around the house that could represent a metaphor for what we would hope to get out of the class. And so I went around the house and I ended up finding our clothing iron and I brought that and I presented it in front of the class. And I said, I, I think there's some wrinkles that I have uh, about the subject that we're talking about is Christian education. There's some wrinkles that I have and I want, I want this class to maybe help iron those wrinkles out in my life. And then I said, by the time I leave this class, I want to be looking fly. <laughs> and I really said that. Oh, my goodness. But I think following Jesus is a lot like that. When, when we come to him, when he finds us, we are a wrinkled mess. 
but he irons out the wrinkles. And what he does is he irons in tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He irons those things in with his expert hands so we can be strengthened. Have you ever noticed that when you have on a great outfit, like a really good outfit, it kind of gives you a boost of confidence? You ever notice that? You feel free. You feel like you're walking around. Some of you might even picture you're an action hero in a movie if you're wearing the right tuxedo. I don't know, but you feel free. You feel like you're walking on the clouds. And that's what these qualities are like for our soul. When we are clothed in these qualities, we look like the light of Jesus to the rest of the world. How amazing it is to be dressed in mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, an outfit like this for your soul is making you look fly to the rest of the world. You are going to thrive in life if you put on these qualities. Something interesting that I noticed in this passage, though, is that Paul says to clothe yourselves he says that verse, he says that line in verses 12 and 14. In 14, he says, love is what binds it all together. And so, you know, keeping up with the outfit theme, I think love is the stitching that holds the whole outfit, every quality, whatever piece of clothing you want to picture that those things are. Love is the stitching that holds it all together. So verse 12 and 14, clothe yourselves. Verse 13, he breaks away from the clothing talk and instead he says, make allowance, forgive one another. So if verse 12 and 14 are describing the outfit we are to wear, verse 13 is describing the outlook we're supposed to have. And this is the motivation we are to have in order to clothe ourselves in the qualities Paul is telling us we must wear. The motivation is forgiveness. That's the motivation. That's the outlook. Forgiveness is what moves us from getting even to dispensing mercy. Forgiveness takes us from being bitter to being kind. Forgiveness shifts us from being self-absorbed in pride to being self-aware in humility. Forgiveness activates us to react with gentleness instead of annoyance. Forgiveness teaches us to respond with patience instead of hurry. The motivation to forgive frees us up to develop these other qualities within us. Because when we forgive, we are releasing the wrinkles of life to Jesus's expert hands. We are trusting he will make something out of nothing. He will heal what is hurting. He will redeem what is broken, and he will bring joy where there is sorrow. Paul says that we are chosen by God, we are set apart for God, and we are forgiven by God. And those three things add up to grace. And this is the freedom of forgiveness. It is the revelation of grace. The revelation of grace says this, 
I know I can't get to God, but thank God he didn't let that stop him from getting to me. That is the revelation of grace. There is nothing that will stand in God's way from getting to you. And because of God's grace, we can experience forgiveness in Jesus. Jesus sets us free. Jesus invites us into relationship with him. Jesus turns us into the light of the world. The highlight for me of 2020 was by far, and it's not even close, it was visiting my wife Susana's home country of Brazil. It was amazing. Brazil is a fantastic country. I didn't understand anything. I, maybe I understood a little, just a little, but very little. That's a message for another time. Uh, one of the things that Susana and I did when we were in Brazil is we got invited to go over to visit with her 14-year-old niece. And we went over for an afternoon coffee and we went in and they had a cute little house and, and we got in and sat down and had the coffee and we're talking with, with Susanna's niece and then the niece's mother was there and so hospitable, such a fun time. Well, at the end of our time together, we're getting up and getting ready to go. I was kind of getting a little tired. I think Susanna was as well. Her, the niece's mom asked if we would want to get to know Susanna's niece a little better by seeing some photo, by seeing a photo album of her life. And so we said, of course, let's go do that. And so we go into another room and the mom brings out a photo album and it has all the way from the, the niece's birth to like, I think it was like year one. And so we're flipping through and it's cute and adorable. And we're going, oh my gosh. And, and we got done, I got done with the photo album and I put it down and I'm like, okay, let's go. Well, the mom puts another photo album into my hands before I can even move. Okay, here we go. We got another one. So we're flipping through this and this is like year two and three. And so we're flipping through and I'm going, oh, this is cute. Put that one down before I can do anything. Boom, another photo album is in my hands and flip through that one. And I'm trying to like make sure I have the right perfect amount of timing on each page so it looks like I'm super interested even though I'm going, I'm on three photo albums. I put the third one down, boom, a fourth one is in my hands and I'm just going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Suzanne and I, we got done and we found out that the mom had boxes full of photo albums. And, you know, we're laughing about it going, oh my gosh, that was crazy. It was just one photo album after another. But here was a mom who was so proud, who loved her daughter so much that she just wanted to show her off. And she collected photo albums of her life. I believe that God does the same things for his kids. When we confess our sins, Hillside family, God is faithful and just and willing to forgive our sins. God has a collection of photos from your life that he can't wait to show off to anyone who will pay attention. He is so proud of you. You have so much value to him. He loves you so much that he took the cross so that there could be forgiveness of sin and restoration to have a relationship 
with him. And because of Jesus, because he was sacrificed on the cross, you and I can know the freedom that comes through forgiveness. It is a freedom from the darkness of shame and guilt. It is freedom from harboring bitterness and resentment. It is freedom from always staring at life through the rearview mirror. And instead, God fixes your eyes on the windshield so that you can see the road ahead of you. It's a road filled with purpose and promise and good plans for your life. There might be some obstacles in the way, but God has got an adventure for you. And of course, he decks you out in the right outfit for the journey. Paul writes, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Listen to this line again. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Remembering how much we have been forgiven motivates us to be generous in forgiveness to others. <laughs> and now we have entered the level five threat territory, right? Any alarms or sirens going off in your head and mind, you know, beep, beep, danger, Will Robinson, forgiveness, what are you talking about? The great C.S. Lewis once said this, Everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. <laughs> We're sitting here going, oh, forgiveness, such a great idea. And then something happens and we have something to forgive and we're going, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to hold on. I want to get even. Forgive. 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 Have you ever worn a backpack? for a really long amount of time. You know, when you put a backpack on for the first time to get ready for your day, it, it kind of feels light. It kind of, you know, fits on and you're going, okay, I'm ready. But the more you wear the backpack, all of a sudden you start to feel the straps weighing down on your shoulders. You get this soreness in your shoulders and on your back. And as you go on throughout the day, the backpack that kind of was like setting you up for the day all of a sudden becomes a burden. I think that this is kind of what unforgiveness is like for us. The longer that we hold on to unforgiveness, the more bitter, resentful, and mean we can become. The longer that we hold on to unforgiveness, the more we're weighing ourselves down and our outlook on life isn't maybe where God wants it to be. And so I think that Jesus today is inviting us to take off the burden of unforgiveness. Maybe you've been carrying a burden for a really long time and it's weighing you down and you can feel it can feel that soreness, that ache in your soul. And God, I think, is inviting us to drop that burden at the feet of Jesus. And so the sensation that we get from forgiveness is that release that you get when you finally take off the backpack for a really long time. Uh, forgiveness is that freeing sensation that happens when we surrender our burdens to the power and grace 
in love of Jesus. And so here's the question. Is forgiveness really this freeing? Uh, Peter wondered the same thing once in Matthew 18, 21. He goes up to Jesus and he asks, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? In Peter's day, the religious leaders at the time said that if you forgave someone three times, you were showing that you had a forgiving spirit. And so here's Peter. He's looking for a quota. He's actually looking to go above the quota. What is it with humans and quotas? It's like, if I just do this enough time, then I don't have to worry about it. And it's like, if I forgive someone three times, the fourth time they do something wrong, I can get mad at them now. Like, what, what is going on? Peter goes up. He goes above and beyond. Jesus, seven times? How about that? Is that good, Jesus? Seven times. Look at how forgiving I am. Now, in Peter's question, we actually see a lack of humility. Uh, Peter isn't even concerned about what he might do to others that might have to have them forgive him. He's more concerned about and expecting, what do I do when someone sins against me, Jesus? What do I do? Do I forgive them seven times? You know, that's what he's doing here. Is that good enough? Can I be a benevolent forgiver? Seven times. <laughs> That's what he's doing. And here's what Jesus says. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. It's almost like Jesus is telling Peter, sit down, Peter, and be humble. Be humble <laughs> in how you're asking this question. Now, Peter is a fisherman. He's not a mathematician. 70 times seven? What the? That is a... A big number to calculate. It's 490, by the way. I think I did it right, but that's a big number. And so what is Jesus doing here? Jesus has taken the cultural time of forgiveness three times, which is taught by the religious leaders, and expanded it to saying, no, it's 70 times seven. He's taking Peter. Nope, multiply that out. What is Jesus doing. Jesus is saying we should be so generous to forgive that we lose track of how many times we've forgiven. Peter is asking for a quota and Jesus tells him to forget the quota and just practice forgiveness. And it isn't a meaningless forgiveness either. It's a forgiveness that is formed by the remembrance of what God has forgiven us. This kind of Jesus-style forgiveness is given from a place of mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Because we know, because we've experienced how merciful, kind, gentle, humble, patient, and loving Jesus has been, continues to be, and will forever be to us. I think there's really two sides of forgiveness. You might think of more, but I came up with two. The first one is salvation. And that's the forgiveness of sin. And this is only accomplished in Jesus. The second side of forgiveness that I thought about is restoration. And it's making allowance for each other's faults and forgiving anyone who offends you. 
It is the restoration side of forgiveness where Jesus calls us to operate in life. Some people, I will say, are best loved from a distance. But that doesn't mean that forgiveness isn't extended to that person from the heart. What matters most in life, I think, is that we live what we believe. And so if we say we believe in forgiveness, we should live like we believe that restoration is possible. You know, Jesus is the only one who is capable of unconditional love. And yet he still demonstrates for us the need to have the motivation of forgiveness. Now, to prove his point to Peter, Jesus tells a story. And wouldn't it be great if the story that Jesus told was about a guy who stole a donkey? <laughs> Could you imagine? Jesus tells this parable about a guy stealing a donkey, and, and Peter's like, oh, that makes sense because I see people that own donkeys. You know, for us today, we might go, I don't have a donkey. I, I don't, I don't, I get that, you know, stealing is bad, but the donkey, there's not much value in that for me. And so isn't it crazy that Jesus tells a story about money? He tells this story about money. Now, this is a topic that impacts every single person, no matter where in history you find yourself. You don't want to be ripped off of your money and you want to be generous with it, but you don't want people to take advantage of your money. And so that's the story that Jesus tells. It's such a timely story, no matter where we find ourselves. By the way, have any of you been paying attention to what's happening with GameStop? That's crazy. Talk about a money situation. But here we go. Jesus tells a story about a king who decides it's time to perform an audit of his books. And, and he wants to settle his accounts. And as he's doing this, he finds out that one of his people, a, a man, has been stealing, has been siphoning money from him. And it's a lot of money. Uh, I think the NIV version says it's 10,000 bags of gold. In other translations, it's 800 talents. Uh, and for us today, it'd be like in the millions. So this is a lot of money. So rightfully so, the king pulls this guy in front of him and demands for the payment to be made. The guy pleads and says, King, have patience with me. I will repay my debt. Now, this debt that he has is insurmountable. Back in these days, uh, if you wanted one talent, that was 20 years of work. So this guy owes an insurmountable debt. And he says, I can pay it off. Talk about a lack of humility. It's almost like this guy is just ashamed that he got caught. You know, you ever meet someone like that? Even though that is his mindset, the king still forgives the debt and lets the guy go free. Well, that's amazing. This guy leaves and he bumps into one of his friends, another person that uh, is under the king. And the guy that he bumps into, he owes him a hundred silver pieces. You got a silver piece at the end of every day of work. And so this is a far less amount 
of debt than what he had just been forgiven. But instead of sharing in the joy of his own release, this guy mistreats his friend and he has him thrown in jail. Even though his friend said the same thing he just said to the king, be patient with me. I will pay everything back. This guy says, nope, throws him in prison. And then the king finds out about this. And this guy who had been forgiven, he goes from being forgiven to being tormented. And Jesus says in Matthew 18, 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The guy received forgiveness, but he didn't really experience forgiveness deep in his heart. And so because he didn't really experience it, because he was getting in his own way, he was unable to share forgiveness with others. And have we truly considered how much God has forgiven us? Have you experienced the forgiveness of God at a deep level in your heart? If we only live for wanting justice, for always seeking to get what is ours, we are like the man in Jesus' story who finds himself a prisoner. But if we live in the freedom of forgiveness, sharing with others what God has shared with us, then we walk in joy and generosity and mercy, and we will be clothed in love just like how Paul puts it. If you get anything, Matthew 18, 35 really sets a tone for us that Jesus is, for, is serious about forgiveness. This parable that Jesus is telling us is a parable about restoration. It's a parable for us because it illustrates the restoration that God wants to have with us. You know, the state of our hearts is revealed in how we treat others. My dad loves to do this thing. He's a pastor. And at the end of messages, he does this thing where he'll tell everyone to take their hand and close it into a fist. And, and he'll go, now squeeze tighter and tighter. And, you know, this is my dad and I love him, but he does nutty and adorable dad things. And I just think this is one of his best illustrations. And it gives me a kick every time I see him do it. But I think unforgiveness is a lot like this closed fist. The more that we hold on to unforgiveness, the tighter and tighter the fist close. And the more and more we are harboring onto bitterness and resentment and anger. And all of a sudden we can find ourselves being distant and cold. And we can find ourselves being isolating and cynical and negative and critical. And that's not to say that there hasn't been some tough things, some painful situations that have gone on in your life. But Jesus can redeem all things. Jesus can restore all things. And what good is it to go around in life with a closed fist, angry? How are we bringing about the qualities that Paul talks about if we walk around with a closed 
fist. You know, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, have you ever thought that Jesus tells us to remember his death? Isn't that a weird thing to ask someone to remember? <laughs> I think so. Usually you want to remember how someone lived. But Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And that's because on the cross, when Jesus took the nails, when Jesus hung there, forgiveness happened on the cross. It was like God took and he opened his hands and he offered us salvation. He offered us restoration. He offers us freedom because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so maybe you're walking around and you have a closed fist. Maybe it's time to open your hand and feel the freedom of forgiveness. So I'm sitting on the bus and I have a choice to make. I'm looking at Chaz. He's kissed the girl that I liked. Feels like he stabbed me in the back and I have a choice. Well, I look at Chaz and I just said, Chaz, I forgive you. I don't know if in your life today, maybe there's someone that you need to forgive. Maybe there's something that you need to take to God and ask for forgiveness. Whatever it is, I hope that you would do that today. Listen, forgiveness is setting us free. Everyone makes mistakes and is in need of a savior. And when we forgive, we're showing people that there's a better way to live. God is always motivated to give forgiveness and we should be too. You'll live a much happier and healthier and freeing, freer life if you are willing to forgive. God bless you, Hillside. I love you and may you find the freedom of forgiveness in your life this week. Peace and blessings to all of you.